0: Because the last Potter film is the first to one billion, this is MuggleCast episode 236 for August 2nd, 2011. This week's
1: episode of MuggleCast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. And by Hypeable.com, a brand new entertainment website created by the staff of MuggleNet. Hypeable is a MuggleNet for multiple fandoms, passionate, complete coverage for all the fandoms that we cover. Now with over 40 fandoms including Glee, True Blood, Breaking Bad, The Hobbit, Doctor Who, Merlin, and many more. Visit Hypeable.com for news coverage you can count on. That's Hypeable.com, H-Y-P-A-B-L-E.com. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 236. We have a full panel today for what's going to be another um, big Deathly Hallows review show and also discussion of Potter Mess. I'm sorry, Potter More. People on the panel this week include Ben. Hello, everybody. And Micah and Eric, and making his triumphant return after um, making his debut on the part one review show and upsetting many people, uh, Richard <laughs> Reed is back to give his review of part two. Did he take... And to upset many people once again. Oh. Did he
2: take a big, like, you know Poo? what, yeah. all
1: over <laughs> the film? <laughs> Pretty much. And it was funny because it was his first Muggle cast ever, so... So, like, people were all PO'd about how somebody just showed up on the cast.
2: I mean, I, I'm all forced during the pot. Like, some yeah. people have, like, these little worlds of, like, you know, Harry Potter's app, like, these movies are 100% flawless. And it's just not, that's just not the case. Mm-hmm.
1: So we'll be talking about that in a little bit. But first, Micah, we have one news item to discuss today.
0: Yeah, Deathly Hallows Part 2 passed the $1 billion mark uh, at the box office. Uh, as of right now, it is currently number eight all time, just over $1 billion, and I'm sure that number is going to go up uh, later on today.
3: Will it pass $2 billion? That's the new question.
0: No. <laughs> uh, I don't think so.
3: <laughs> Unless I mean, yeah, there's no, there's not going to be a second grand opening, right? I mean, the, the, no. I will say the thing it has above the other films is that it's still in theaters, right? So they can't go up; only it can, right?
1: Well, it it it, it may pass. Um, Alice in Wonderland, which is one point two four, or sorry, one billion twenty four million. Dolls, wow, which is just a ridiculous so, amount. That is money. a lot of money. I mean, that's
3: a recent movie. I don't feel like. I mean, is there was there a website just like us in the in the Alice in Wonderland fandom that was like just as excited as we are about Potter passing a billion? Because it's so odd to think that a film so recently has been right where Potter is right now. Because we want to think that that you know this film is breaking all sorts of records. Right, I mean, it, it, didn't Avatar pass a billion as well? Uh, yeah, it passed two billion. It's almost at three. That was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Now well, How it old was is... re-released
0: too, wasn't it?
1: Oh. It was. What? And plus, it was it was like 3D. Everybody had to see it in 3D.
0: Yeah, the other thing, though, you got to think though that part two is going to make another hundred million dollars, won't it? I mean, that's not that far out of reach,
1: right? Because it's only been about two weeks, so so you're you're looking at it
0: passing uh, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. I mean, I think it, it'll make it all the way up to number three if it keeps on this trend.
1: Hmm. It is the number one Potter film of all time. It, it beat Sorcerer's Stone, which had peaked at 97.4 million. So beat it by a long shot. And yeah, so that's good news. I mean, it was it was kind of predicted. Um, I think the reasons everybody saw it, you know, it, it made so much was, one, it was the last film. I think a lot of people were just struck by the curiosity of the franchise and decided, hey, okay, I'll go check out the last one. Plus, the reviews were so great on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it averaged like 98%. Is it still up? Is it still up there? Still up. Is it still like 98%? Yeah, mm-hmm. let me see. 96%. So that's yeah, great.
3: <laughs> I mean, if Toy Story 3 only had, you said 93%.
1: No, no, no. Toy Story three had like ninety nine or hundred. Oh, okay.
3: Did you write yeah, all those but, reviews? but that's
1: <laughs> what? No. <Jeez>. Um.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm just shocked that this has gone. I mean, you know, eight films like that's over a decade. You know, that's a long time to be able to keep something like this going. Is it not? You know, like, you're talking about the, staying relevant. Like, well, I mean, not just staying relevant. Like, imagine had they like really, really messed up Movie Four or something. You know, like would it have? would they have been able to carry it this long? Or like, would people have come back for movie five? I feel like they, they played their cards like nearly perfectly. I mean, you know, there were some things people aren't going to be happy about, but you can't please everybody. But I think that did a remarkable job of keeping people interested and, I mean, I guess that, that, that's what the power you have when you have like one of the biggest movie studios and some of the, the best marketing minds behind your brand. It really mm-hmm. gives you the ability to do that.
3: But still, I think you're right to not blow it so badly that nobody would come back. I feel like they could have done that, right? I mean, they could have blown it. Well,
1: the Potter fans still would have come back because you look at how loyal they are to J.K. Rowling, Queen Rowling, you as know. she's called. Well, yes. I mean,
3: it, <laughs> if she had withdrawn her support, though, uh, she won though. Say, she won. Yeah, up. that's true. That's
1: true. That <laughs>
2: that would have been a, like a better feud than you know some of the more recent ones we've seen, like you know the whole Vander Ark stuff or right. whatever. Like if there was like a big battle between Joe and Phil Warner Brothers <laughs> over the rights and stuff, <laughs> that would be epic. That would be fun to watch. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, congr- congrats to them. I'm sure Warner Brothers was. Uh wonder if they had a little party once they passed 1 billion.
2: Uh so Warner Brothers is owned by Time Warner, like a big conglomerate, okay? So say say the, say this movie profits 700 million dollars. You know, of course the shareholders get paid, but does anybody know who like Joe Warner money. is like, you know, like <laughs> the, the dude who like gets like most of the money off of this or is there one dude who gets most
1: of it? Well, there's a president of Warner Brothers. I think a lot of it goes back into the company. Yeah, of course.
3: Well, doesn't doesn't Disney own Warner? Um, no,
2: Correct. No, Disney
3: owns Disney owns a lot, or Warner owns Disney, or something. They're always they're always buying things too, like even the new Marvel Studios. Uh, is
4: Disney like, owns Marvel. Yeah, yeah,
3: Disney owns Marvel now, and it's just it, it's all one big company in the end. So if if a film like Harry Potter does this well, then I guess the, the, I don't know. The ball keeps on rolling. People can go home, feed their families, and and they put it into new projects. I think. I um, see that Apple now has more money than the U.S. government. I wonder if Harry Potter or one of <laughs> have more money than the U.S. government. That's the thing: is everybody's going to eventually these companies, everybody's going to have more money than the U.S. government, and nobody's going to lend it to the U.S. government.
4: That's going to be like the next milestone. It's not gonna be like a billion dollars. It's going to be are
1: you richer than America? <laughs> <laughs> Before we continue with today's episode of MuggleCast, we'd like to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Audible.com the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their great service. One audiobook to consider is The Hunger Games, the first in a trilogy of the same name. The series is hotter than ever right now because filming for the movie adaptation recently got underway. It's one book and film series you are not going to want to miss. So, for a free audiobook of your choice, such as The Hunger Games, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. Again, that's audiblepodcast.com slash mugglecast. All right, let's talk about Pottermore, who got a registration. I didn't, and I was got to say something. Like
2: I don't know if this logic is correct, but... Like some of some of you, Jimmy's out there are tweeting about it. Like, oh, I, I registered for my tenth username. Which <laughs> one should I choose? Should I be Weasley Weasley? What what one one off twenty four or should I be Dumble Dumble Dip forty four? Like, it's like, geez, like all those names sucked. Why don't you just choose one of them and let other people get registrations? Because now I don't have a registration and I am not happy. <laughs> Neither about
0: do it. I. Ben, I'm not happy about it
2: either.
1: Well, thanks, thanks, it? thanks
2: for all your ten usernames, folks.
1: Luckily, there will be six more days where you can go in and 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 uh, grab one. I have to be honest; I did grab three because I wanted a name that I liked. You're one of them, like what? The- <laughs> I did what? not. Well, I ended up with Castle Cloak three. That was my original anyway, because I forgot my other two. Really? Yeah. Castle Cloak. Castle Cloak. Wait, wait, Why you blaming me? It was the huh? coolest one of the pack. What were the other ones?
3: <laughs> I can't remember.
1: <laughs> uh, Richard and Eric, you guys got in too, right? Yeah. No? No, I didn't. I, I did. didn't even oh, no. see the magic quote. Oh, Richard did. I did, but I can't remember my
4: username either.
2: No, why would they let you choose your usernames? Because they don't want people competing for like, oh, I want to no. be Pottermore.com/slash.
1: No, they <laughs> could at least remind you what your damn username is in the email they send you. Yes, it's it's child safety reasons, so people can't put in like their real name or put in um like the you know, you know, Los Angeles dweller thirty two. <laughs> <You
0: know?
3: laughs> yeah. Yeah, people can track it.
1: Um, yeah, so how it worked was actually, it was kind of inconvenient for those in America. It went live. What's happening is each day this week, Potamore is opening up another X amount of beta registrations that you can, that are up for grabs. The first batch went up Sunday night at 4 a.m. Eastern time, which is of course very inconvenient for everybody in America. Um, Richard got his because, you know, it was morning. Uh, you know, his time over there in, in the UK. And I had set my alarm for 1 a.m. Pacific time because there were rumors that it would be going live sometime after midnight. <clears throat> and it, it honestly, the whole process is is really um it's uh it's cumbersome, intense, mm-hmm. it's cumbersome, yes, it's convoluted. Work. You have to solve a clue that's posted. It was posted just on Pottermore.com. I thought it was going to be hidden or something, but it wasn't. On so the clues on Pottermore.com, you have to figure out the riddle. Um and is it better or
2: worse than the sorcerer's stone dvd
1: um i'd say it's just as annoying
0: <laughs> can, we, can we try <laughs> wow. and figure the riddle out here for those of us who
1: yeah sure the the clue was how many breeds of al are featured on the elops al emporium sign multiply this number by 49 oh, cool. now I guess this is in the book or whatever. I can't remember, but the answer was 245. It's in yeah. The answer was 245. Or that, because you multiply the number by 49. Yeah, so it was, it's, there are five owls on the sign. So you multiply that number by 49 and it's 245. So then you take that number.
2: Well, was that a difficult thing to find out if you looked in that chapter?
1: No. Mm, probably not. Probably not, but. I didn't have the book. I, I was waking up at one a.m. <laughs> wait, wait, you don't.
3: You <laughs> yeah, don't have the yeah, you're not so gonna bring your book with you to the site. Wait, what? Wait a minute, though. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't J.K. Rowling in her in her intro video? You know, weren't you supposed to go to Pottermore, enter your email address, and you'd be entered to be yeah. one of the million who got the beta? Yeah. Well, that what is what it I with, thought. This, with this question, with this these clues, and Well, this that was the other issue. That was the other hunt. issue.
1: People, everybody submitted their emails for basically no reason. I don't think an email even went out explaining all this. That That um, was just, that was for something else. So that, to sign up for originally, was
4: just so they would email you today to say that the beta was now open for... Submission. But did
3: they? Well, no, they didn't. I have not received that email yet. <laughs> they didn't. So in the end. JK Rowling's from, collecting email addresses. <laughs> you know,
1: for and something. And you take that number and you insert it at the end of quill.potamore.com. So then you go into your address bar, you type in quill.pottermore.com slash two forty five. Then it forwards you to Sony.com, which is where the magic quill is quote unquote hidden. The um, magic and quill. from there, the quill is like floating around and you have to cl- you have to grab it. And if you don't grab it it says, you didn't grab it, try again. So imagine me sitting there at 1 a.m. I was sleeping for three hours. I have like one eye on the screen. The other eye is like in pain from this bright light shining in my face. And I'm trying to hit this damn feather that keeps moving around very slowly because it's Flash. And Flash sucks. It sucks and even more when there's 200 million people trying to do it at the same time.
3: Right. <laughs> Servers are crashing, right? Not loading, Yeah, it's like people are having resetting. a hard time.
1: And then so so then you just cl- you click this quill and then the sign up process begins. And that part was relatively okay. Um so anyway, this is gonna be happening every day. It turns out you didn't even really need the clue though. I mean, once you knew that it was on Sony.com, you could just go straight to Sony dot com and and start the registration well, wh- wh- process. Where's it gonna
3: be tomorrow? HarryPotter.com? I mean, uh, really? it's gonna be on Muggled. No, just
1: kidding. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um,
2: but so if people <sighs> are already um, you know, making eight usernames to have like backup usernames and all that. Does this mean like people are gonna get sorted into a house and if it's not the house they want, they're just gonna like go to one of the other accounts and you know, undermine (sighs) the whole integrity (laughs) of the 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 system. Yeah, yeah, it does
3: undermine the integrity. They were supposed to prevent against that. At the Pottermore panel at LeakyCon, they 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 were asked that question specifically and they said no, there's only one shot. No,
1: well look, in fairness to them, they can't they can't Stop people from creating multiple usernames. I mean, that's that's not possible, really. I'm um uh, I'm selling my other ones on eBay.
3: So <laughs> 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 well, your I names play- must be so much better than everybody else's, Richard. Which w- what names did you get? Yeah, which uh, he said he forgot. Uh, um, that
1: was the issue. I, my first, my first user account kind of went bonkers. So that's why I set up a second and third one because it gave me an error when I tried to click the confirmation email, which by the way, I had to wait a half hour before. So, you know, it's going on like 2.30 a.m. I just want to go back to bed or to be up at six or seven. Um, and so then I forget my username because th- you can s- submit with multiple, with the same email address for multiple accounts, but then it just sends me the username for one and it's just like, my third one was the one I wanted. It had, like, unicorn in it. I wanted something with unicorn. Oh. Yeah. It was upsetting. Was my Didn't third you? one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have extra spent Between
2: you and Richard, you guys have, like, eight, and the rest of us are sitting here with zero. Listen. This is, this is not equal. But
1: I'm willing to sell you one, no though, <laughs> Ben. Oh. <laughs> we start the bidding at five cents. Five cents. Do so you take PayPal? Um... So what happened was it went live, like I said, at 4 a.m. Eastern, and it was closed by about 6 a.m. Eastern. It, w- it was all done. So it was about two or three hours um, that it was open. They had all filled up. So again, this is going to be happening every day this week uh, through Saturday. So and you have plenty of chances. It's a different
4: chances. book each day. It's a clues from a different, you know, a bit different book. So today was about *Philosopher's Stone*. Tomorrow was about *Chamber of Secrets*. And apparently, they're g- the questions are going to get easier as
0: well. Yeah. Well, and will you always go to Sony.com? <laughs> I'm sure I'm, try I'm sure that. it'll be somewhere
3: else.
1: <laughs> yeah, I imagine it, it may be like on the official Harry Potter website, Scholastic, sort of like where all the Owl banners were. That's my guess. Yeah, but it's not mm. like
0: MuggleNet has a hidden registration page that's waiting to go live.
1: Or do we? <laughs> mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> the people who no. are involved with this have major corporate deals.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was I was gonna say guaranteed the site would crash.
3: Yeah. Did you say, though, they hit a limit, right? So this is how they're letting the million fans in. They're they're, they're essentially capping each day how many people can register, right?
1: Yeah, right. So it's okay. about, you know, like 120,000 each day or so that are okay. able to get in. And I think the reason they did it so early U.S. time is so that they didn't crash the site. The U.S. people didn't crash the site, even though people were still... Well, because if the U.S.
3: were awake... See, why does a site like jkrolling.com or podmore.com why does it crash JK I mean,
4: com.
3: Well, okay, but it's but it's JK Rowling's new website, Pottermore. Why does it crash? Shouldn't they? Because they, they don't have enough
4: l- servers to handle
3: the load. But they have to have anticipated this. It's something they've been working on for four or five years now.
1: Well, that's the thing that actually got me. And I was talking to this about Richard yesterday. I was talking to this with Richard yesterday. J.K. Rowling.com never crashed, ever. It was always up. The Book 7 title, you know, the, the quotes from Book 6 or whatever, never had a single issue. And then this, it just seems like it keeps being plagued by different issues. And what they just need to do is hire the people who kept J.K. com online. But remember, the, the, the people who kept J.K. call
4: online was a professional tech company that custom built that, that you know, for her.
3: Uh, well, if you're, t- if you're, but if you're talking about doing something right, uh, like Pottermore is guaranteed following. Pottermore is gonna break the internet. I mean, it's guaranteed, right? So, why not spend top dollar and, and, and construct this from the ground up to, to make sure that a million fans, I mean, even when you are registered now, I hear that you're not gonna be allowed on the site to beta test it at the same time as an, a certain amount of other people. Because again, they don't want it to crash. But I'm just saying, why are they having these issues at all? It's not like they can't afford more bandwidth. Like what? What? What's the, the uh,
0: Pottermore.com funding is tied to the U.S. debt crisis? So, <laughs> <yeah>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think they under perhaps uh, they didn't. You know, whoever is administering their their setup over there doesn't didn't really understand uh, what they were getting into or. You know, I, yeah, mean, I, I I doubt that these issues are not going to persist because particularly like come this fall when the site is you know fully live and open to the public, there's no way they can be having it go down all the time, and I doubt that you know J.K. Rowling's going to stand for that. I mean, right. when, you, when when you're paying somebody, I imagine she's paying out the wazoo to you know have this all done and. You know, maybe it's like, do you think Sony's like hosting it or something?
3: Uh, well, I don't think, I don't think JK Rowling's paying for it. I mean, I think the, the buzz around it is gonna pay for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think Sony agreed to go into this. They're investing money in, in. Yeah, like,
2: but that's Joe's money. Like, regardless, at the end of the day, like, she's paying people to, she paid people to build the, build it. Richard, can you like ping their server with your like <laughs> hacker skills? Can we hack into Pottermore live? <laughs> in, 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 in the cast? I, don't, I
4: don't want to risk breaking it further.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone's really gonna lo- love Richard. He's like the movie sucks, and he's like about to hack in the Pottermore.
3: <laughs>
1: Richard like is serious wants to like get in on the Pottermore server team. What? Like, Sir, can you blame you him?
3: Maybe you could improve. <laughs> Yesterday,
1: it. you were like you should you should connect me with them. <laughs> I just wanted oh. to play it early. I don't want to work for them. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, okay. Alright, uh, well, again, so new clues are gonna be posted every day, so keep an eye on, um, h- here's where the fan community comes in, because Pottermore is not telling you when these clues go live. So.
3: That's BS. Rather, and,
1: then- and not only
2: that, but, um, Pottermore doesn't give you the answers to the clues, so you can, like, re- rely on your friends on Twitter and the comments on MuggleNet to, like, not have to solve the riddle yourself.
1: Right, that's what we're, yeah, so, <laughs> so. <laughs> right (laughs) i mean
2: mean, doesn't that kind of take the fun out of it though it's like let me go search twitter and find out what the answer is
1: but here's why we do it people some people some people just want to get in the dang site they Mm -hmm. don't want to sit there and divide and multiply by 49 and then go to Sony's site you know i mean they're gonna have to do that anyway but they just want to sign up and it's so and here's the other thing it's going to be on the internet anyway so why not why not us do it too it's gonna be on Tumblr
3: and Facebook. Yeah, so, I, I thought doing I just it. thought I already signed up for beta, and if I didn't get the email, then I wasn't one of the lucky million. I accept that. Yeah, none of this clue thing. I'm it's all misleading. Clues. Come on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> how many? How many uh, signups did they get? Did they announce that?
3: Well,
1: it must have in the been... email. Like the,
2: like that email initial sent- one.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know what they said it at the LeakyCon panel. I'm forgetting. But you know the the Joe's video on YouTube's had over a million views, and there's definitely been a lot of interest. Well, yeah, that and everybody entered like eight email addresses. That that original sign up
4: didn't work for ages.
1: Right, the email sign up didn't even
4: work
3: initially. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's right. I never actually signed up. I don't think I remember when it came out. It didn't work, and then I just went to bed.
3: Was well, people <laughs> crashing the server? So this is the preparation you're talking about for them to prevent this sort of thing from happening in the future. Although it's still going on. Anyway, there's still,
1: you know, there's still a lot to look forward to. So keep an eye on MuggleNet and Hypeable. We'll be keeping up to, keeping you guys updated. Uh, You know, uh, people cannot spend all day on Pottermore waiting for betas to open up. You know? So that's why we're, we're. But they will
2: though. That's the thing. (laughs) That's the reason they can delay it 10 hours because Harry Potter fans like Harry Potter is like, it's like a addiction. Not an addiction, but it's like a, people have such a high affinity for that. It's a way it of that, life. Yeah, that they'll wait around 10 hours. You know, it doesn't matter. Like they can, they can jerk our chains all they want. <laughs>
1: um, I just for fun, I asked, uh, to people who follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash mugglecast, you know, what, what username did you get? Because you get to pick from one of five. And the usernames are basically two nouns put together plus a number. So, uh, Joey, Joe Ray said, this guy has, like, 12. Feather Cloak 3, Wing Wolf 56, Rain Felice is 13, Phoenix Seer 124, Wizard Witch 53.
3: That's kind of a cool Ooh. one. Wizard Witch. Yeah. This is all Henry one Mc- person. Mc- yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Ben, Ben, are you writing these down? We can email these to Melissa and have them <laughs> banned from the site. <laughs> um, Wheezy Witch. Um, Henry
1: McNinja said Seeker uh, has the name Seeker Echo 52. Wow um J- jandra has midnight Sun 101 which is actually very interesting because that's a that's a thing out of Twilight yeah
3: it's the unwritten novel
1: yeah NH Shavalia has silver thestral 53 that's a cool one uh Care Bear has
3: feather Sun 168. Now the cool thing is, if I'm remembering correctly from the discussion at LeakyCon, you're going to be able to like ring up these friends if you have their username and duel them. There's going to be like a wizard duel, so yeah, just like cool. where you log into Facebook and you see you have pokes pending, um, you're going to have like duels pending where you can duel your friends.
1: Henry H. Henny H. P. Lover has Spirit Pumpkin 144. See why didn't I? Was why wasn't I offered these names? Spirit Pumpkin. Yeah, that's great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow No? You have poor taste in Pottermore names, Andrew <laughs> Spirit Pumpkin
3: well, To be continued To be like continued, we'll find out something. what you get, Ben And what I get, yeah. and what Micah gets
2: I guess now I gotta go with my first username Because I've bitched about it. <laughs> yeah, but, And there are nine usernames so. Don't be hypocritical now, just just go with it Well, I'm not gonna broadcast the fact that I registered 12 times Like <laughs> That's not something I'm gonna tell everybody Oh, Let's I just see.
4: remembered my name <laughs> What uh, is it? It's NoxDust142 that's Nox a good dust. one. I yeah, like that's that.
3: Awesome. One. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's like extinguishing. That's like, extinguishing, that's like a, extinguishing fairies. You know, their are fairy knocks <laughs> extinguishes light. You're just like going around stepping on fairies. That's yeah, Richard.
1: Oh my goodness. i was trying to load up my other name. I'm trying to look at my conversation with Richard from last night. Walnut night one eight eight. Walnut night. Yeah. Walnut night. Night, I night, yeah, that and I, I said to Richard, that's currently my favorite. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's pretty
1: cool. Okay. Anyway, let's move on to a discussion on Deathly Hallows Part two. We talked about it on episode two thirty four, which was live at LeagueCon. We had Ivana Lynch on. We had listeners coming up throwing in their opinions. Uh Richard, let's start with you, 'cause you're you're the only one on this panel right now who wasn't at that live show. What did you think of Deathly Hallows Part two? Um
4: I thought it,
1: oh I just hated it hated it hated
4: it, it just sucked <laughs> so much. No, I'm I'm not kidding. I'm really I loved it. I really liked it. Um, this is the first movie that I've actually really enjoyed. I've never particularly liked any of the the previous ones enough to want to watch them more than once or twice. But no, I came out I I saw this one twice and I came out at the cinema both times thinking wow I really you know I really liked that. Um, there was just there's there's various reasons for it. My biggest complaint um, with part one was that I thought the acting, particularly from Dan Radcliffe, I thought it was really really bad. Uh, in so many scenes, it was kind of cringeworthy. Um, and what's more, is the trio were kind of by themselves in it for most of the film because a lot of the you know the older cast like Alan Rickman and Maggie Smith and Julia Walters and all, they they didn't really appear in it so much since uh, it was just. Harry, Ron and Hermione camping. So they had yeah. to hold the film by themselves. And I didn't really think they, they managed it very well. Whereas in this film, A, the experienced cast came back and B, it wasn't really, you know, a, a dialogue-y film. It was very much an action film. So they didn't need to rely on, on great acting. They just needed to rely on, on great action. And and they did. They They pulled that off really well. I thought... You know, in particular, Dan was actually really convincing, really good at that type of stuff, uh, much better than the serious stuff. So I I couldn't really fault the film in that way whatsoever. Uh, And the 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 more experienced cast, well, well, they were they really stepped up their game, you know. Particularly Alan Rickman, who was just
1: fantastic.
3: Well, and and don't uh, forget Ray Fiennes.
1: Yeah. And Maggie Smith. I mean, they, they all three of them were really standouts for me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was
4: there was bits that I didn't like. Um, I I still think, you know, the Harry and Ginny thing is just doesn't portray well in the films whatsoever. They've no. never got and that right at all, and they, they they didn't get it right this time either. Um, you know
1: who I blame for that? I blame Bonnie Wright. I really, I've never liked wow. her. Wow.
4: You know something? I I met her at the premiere, and I asked her a couple of questions, and the way you interact with her there is a, is a lot different to how she appears in the film so I, I actually until that I did as well but until, since I met her I don't blame her I blame the writers and I blame the director for it mm. um, yeah, the, the 3D I know 3D asked my arse I did not get what was so big of her <laughs> whatsoever I what wish was that d Ask my arse ask my arse uh, I guess ask it's a local ar- phrase like, but the point is
1: <laughs> <laughs> local
4: the, the point is that I just wish 3D would die already, uh, really. But in this film in particular, I just added nothing to it at all. I, I didn't. But, I, I forgot that I was I was watching 3D for the most part of it. Uh, the only time I remembered it was when my glasses slid down my nose and I had to push them back up again. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm those watching. glasses are
2: so uncomfortable. And <laughs> yeah. like I I sweat a lot naturally. <laughs> you know, I was just like you know like wiping my eyes, drying them off on my shirt. And you know honestly, for parts of the film, I sat there with my glasses off and <laughs> stared at the blurry ass <laughs> screen because I couldn't be bothered to have the, the glasses on that were giving me a headache. So,
0: yeah. yeah I well, agree
3: fully, do away with 3D. There's
1: been there's been reports that it's not healthy. 3D is not good for your eyes. Good. It's a fad. It's going to go away. Die. There will
3: always be those reports, but no, I will agree with the 3D in this film. So we saw it, I when I saw it the first time I saw it in 3D and then just today I saw it before recording this show and I saw it in 2D and i have to agree not only was the 3d not very uh you know noticeable in the film uh it added some depth here you know foreground background that sort of thing um but all in all it was not there were not scenes that that really really stood out um also just having the glasses on like ben said was a distraction i know there was a, you know towards the end of the film second half i thought of crying, but uh, every time I would start to cry, my glasses would fog up and I couldn't see the screen. So, it's a little restricted there. I couldn't really be myself when you I was wearing the climate 3D. within your,
1: when You created a climate within your eye sockets. It was a
3: small ecosystem. And <laughs> so, I wasn't able to really enjoy the film as much in 3D, but when I saw it in 2D, I, I just thought it was a lot better. I could focus a lot more on the acting. See- um, David
1: Yates yeah. has you know said and I agree with him completely it's not supposed to really stand out in this film it's supposed to be out of the way it's not supposed to be distracting that's that's a yep. phrase he used but a lot but if you're going to do that so i
3: you have to pay more for
1: it then exactly
3: so- if you're going to do that with a film then don't do it at all because you're going because theaters the studios are going to charge so much more for 3D you have to almost make it this blatant uh, you have to pander to 3D in order to get well, make it worth people's by. money but but yeah It
1: does get good It does get good During the action scenes He was saying You know it, it shouldn't be distracting During you know Dialogue and you know Informational scenes Like at the beginning Of the film really When you know Harry's talking to Griphook and Ollivander You, you know You really don't see it there uh, You do see it You know When the Gringotts escape uh, The final battle at the end But it's not obnoxious And I appreciated that I, I don't know Well, when,
2: when the, the only time the 3D, like, really worked for me was when, like, the Valdi Fetty came out at the end. Like, (laughs) I felt like it was, like, coming down on me, like, I was in Times Square, New Year's (laughs) (laughs) Eve, like, not really, though.
0: The Valdi Fetty?
2: Yeah. I I saw
1: you throw your hands in the air, and you're, like, twirling around. Well, you know, the thing is, if you see
2: 3D, like, actual, legit IMAX, where you're laying back in your seat a little bit, looking up at the big dome screen, that would be legitimate. But, Sitting in these. That's OmniMax. That's OmniMax. I think so. Oh, okay. I always thought that was
1: IMAX because that—that was what I grew up with, knowing as IMAX. The screens are a lot bigger in a normal in a real IMAX theater. I think. But then there's also the
3: difference between being shot in 3D and being converted to 3D. You know, where Avatar. Yeah, where Avatar was shot. You know, and Avatar is the biggest, uh, best example because that was the pioneer. You know, it was shot in 3D. It was meant to. Scenes are are shot from a certain angle so as to be in 3D. Like, you know, you're supposed to think about it. That that film almost shouldn't exist in 2D. I would argue. But but then, you know, there's Harry Potter and other films like it that are converted to 3D, where it, it does add some 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 uh, depth. In terms of, you know, if Harry's in the, in the foreground and you see Hogwarts burning in the background, there's, there's more depth there. It's a little bit out of you, you know, unusual, but they're not able to really, even with the snake when, 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 uh, you know, Nagini strikes and, and Neville comes and cuts his head off in 3D, it really didn't jump out all that much. Um, and, and I guess the difference is, is the Voldi Fetti, like, like Ben said, that was really a moment where I said, wow, you know, the confetti is coming out into the audience, and Voldemort's kind of disgusting right now, but we're all going to be wearing him in a moment. So so that shocked me, but, but the majority of the film, it just went unused or, you know, not obtrusive.
1: So let's... Um, Micah? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, I, it sounded like you wanted to add some wisdom.
0: Oh,
3: about no? 3D? Okay. Um,
0: no, I yeah. agree with a lot of what you guys were saying. I, I saw it yesterday for the first time uh, in 2D, and, uh, you know, I... I the 3D just didn't do a whole lot for me when I saw it the first two times. It just it it, it didn't add anything, you know. I, I think you know the only other scene that I can remember that hasn't been talked about yet was just with the Dementors, where they seem to pop out when they show that scene of uh, you know Hogwarts and and they're kind of just floating above it. But I mean, I I don't understand the point of of why they went ahead and did the film in 3D if they weren't going to make it sort of this full experience. And, and you know, to whoever's point where it said, when you go to the theater and you pay for 3D, you are paying more. So you expect to get more out of it. So I don't think it's fair to just say that, you know, well, Andrew, you said you appreciated the fact that it didn't jump out at you. But that's why people are spending extra money, because they're expecting more of an experience when they go to see the film.
1: Mm. Well, look, I mean, the reason that they did do 3D was because of the money. So, you know, it wouldn't have hit 1 billion by now if 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 they didn't have 3D. So, that's the reason why at the end of the day.
2: Joe Let- Warner, <laughs> we're, we're all we're all here talking to line Joe Warner's pockets at the end of, the, end of the day.
1: Let's go through some uh, major scenes in the film. Um we'll start with one of the ones that I just mentioned with the subtle 3D. It was Harry and Griphook and Harry and Ollivander when he's talking to both of them. That was another thing that I kind of um, niggled me with it, with the
4: film, was that... Niggled you? La- niggled, yeah. Um, annoyed. All these new phrases. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um, Keep it up.
2: We're cultured here. On the little cast.
4: Yeah, this is... Yeah. Um, I kind of thought that the, the whole storyline of The Hallows by itself seemed to be cut from the film. I don't know. Because they hardly featured in it. And... I remember Ollivander t- talking about the Hallows, and I, d- I remember thinking, why why does Ollivander know about them in the first place, if no one else did, other than Dumbledore and, um, and Luna's dad? Uh, even Voldemort didn't know about them in the books, he just knew about the legend of the wand. Um, so that kind of annoyed me for some reason. And I, I can see why they did it, because other than that little speech there, the Deathly Hallows basically don't make any other <laughs> appearance in the film, the visibility cloak is is seen very, very briefly. The resurrection stone again is just, like, showing up at the very end. Um, yeah. Other than that, they, they basically are relevant to the plot in the, the, in the, the movie. Big thing,
0: yeah. I mean, the big thing that was cut out from that scene, I think, is that Harry is supposed to have a choice. I mean, it's supposed to be Horcruxes or Hallows. Yeah, and,
4: and he chooses to go after the, uh, after the Horcruxes, like Dumbledore you know, asked them to, but again, I didn't really make it into it. So that, that scene kind of, that was one of the few scenes in the film that I, uh, bugged me. I mean, I, I still love the film overall, but there's just a few little things that kind of put me off it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and look, they're, they're wrapping up all these little points and I think they did do a good job of wrapping up most of the big things. Um, but yeah th- I, I agree that was one of those things and honestly sort of like at the beginning of the film i have a hard time concentrating because i'm sort of like still like so excited about like oh my god i'm watching part two you know and, <laughs> well, and i can't even focus on what they're saying plus yeah, my I- ears have to adjust to the british english accent i don't know if anyone else has <laughs> this problem but like for the first 10 minutes of Harry potter film i'm always trying to figure out what they're saying honest yeah. to god funnily enough i don't have this problem
3: <laughs> yeah, with with part one, it was like that because they're all at the Seven Potters scene, right? And it's all very quick yep. dialogue, so you yeah. almost can't, you really can't understand what they're saying. I still don't know the one line that uh, Fred says that ends with "Scrawny Stucky get forever." I don't know how that sentence begins because I, I just mm. or "Specky get." I don't understand it. But however, uh, today when I saw the film, I, rem- I you know I was paying attention in the beginning, Shell Cottage, and I was getting in the mood because it's very mood setting. Um, but also, I really noticed Dan Radcliffe and his acting, and how he basically goes into a bedroom where there is a complete stranger um, and gets what he wants from them. But but the gravity of the situation is very clear, and I thought that uh, the acting of Dan did a really good job to, to to convey that, where he pushes people and and really just he's hairy. He's 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 going into the final battle.
1: Okay, so back to the beginning of the movie.
0: Well, <laughs> um, I was just going to say how creepy was uh, Warwick Davis as 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 Griffin. Warwick <laughs> Davis, <laughs> he was like he hasn't been
2: creepier since Since he was Leprechaun, yeah. yeah I, I saw Leprechaun in the Hood the other day, and I was like, <laughs> Leprechaun wow. in the Hood. <laughs> yeah, you went to the Hood for a no, leprechaun no, it's no, <laughs> no, it's a movie. It's like it's oh. like a, a spinoff. Oh, I Of see. the original,
3: <laughs> is that yeah, Warwick I mean, Davis though?
2: yeah i think so i'm pretty sure
1: um okay so gringotts they they go down in i talked about this i think at the leaky the live uh the the show at the leaky con at that at, leaky con <laughs> um you know they're gonna turn this into a theme park ride it's when the, when the trio descend into deep into the bowels
3: of gringotts to get to the lestrange vault you know i thought about that when I was watching it, and, and those train cars, though, like, in the movie are really cool. They're very bare bones. I don't know, it'd be kind of dangerous to, to do that, but they should make the cars. If they do this ride. they need to make the cars just like that.
1: Was that, Were they the same type of carts that were in the very first movie? No, no way. They, you know how they always change these things. I well, think, even I think, even
3: the even the foyer of Gringotts was different. At least, I yeah, thought it was. I thought it was, was as well. Well, you know, it's just like the
1: castle, and you know the well, the, yeah. the layout of the Hogwarts grounds. They change it almost every film based on Remodeling. based on
3: their needs, really. Mm-hmm. Well, it and helps then, that they have a castle like Hogwarts, which changes. In the books, it just changes, you know.
1: Well, it doesn't yeah. like add and remove towers, but. Well, it does. Yeah, though, the stairs, stairs will stairs leave. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and, and actually, this is where one of the th- 3D scenes really stood out. It's when, um, the gold multiplies when it's touched in the Lestrange oh, vault. Oh, yeah. And you really do see the 3D here. And it was good, I thought, but that scene for some reason, I don't know. When, when Griphook yells, you know, the sword for the cup and it just, <laughs> it felt, it didn't look like how it did on the UK cover I'll put it that way Not that it's supposed to be but Well
3: in the book doesn't it, it Doesn't it like start melting Like everything it turns really hot There's like this well, the, claustrophobic yeah, they,
4: they become very very hot The When the new jewels or bits of metal are created Then they, they're all burning as they appear
3: So that element was removed from the escape scene But obviously um, They still have a lot to deal with in this scene Jumping along quite
1: a bit, um, Aberforth... Whoa, th- hang on. What? Well, what nice. about
3: the escape scene? How did that look to you guys? Oh. What did you think?
1: Oh, well,
2: I thought the escape scene was good. You know, you're talking about the dragon riding the dragon yeah. out of there. I thought that yeah, was man. awesome. That was really cool. And didn't they kind of, like, let go of the dragon and fall into the water? Is yeah. they did? It did. Yeah, my that favorite, was cool.
3: My favorite part of that scene is when the dragon has just left... Like the lobby, and and he actually he he stops to take a break. He like breathes in and out. Yeah, before that was fine.
1: I really appreciated that too, because he, he because he's breathing fresh
3: air for the first time and probably forever. And he's just exhausted, like he's you know been kept up and all that. So I thought that was very very realistic, and I really appreciated that. And what
0: one of the things that came up that people were asking about on, on the show that we did in Orlando was how did everybody from the bank end up in Malfoy Manor? And and I watched the movie again yesterday and and it is Malfoy Manor, it's not Gringotts.
3: So I don't Yeah, know. yeah, they've just totally turned the Malfoy Manor into a bloodbath. I I'm pretty sure Lucius and Narcissus so don't what, appreciate it. In the
0: book I I can't remember. Does Voldemort summon all of them? Is that what he does, or well, does he... It's
3: policy to notify of a break-in. And when... So I think they're dispatched to the Malfoy Manor to notify Bellatrix that her vault has been broken into, if I'm remembering correctly. And that's when Voldemort goes insane.
1: And that's a really cool little moment, by the way, when Voldemort does have that realization of what happened. It happens when Harry, the trio, jump into the water, and you know Harry kind of comes up for air after being submerged in the water and like that's when like the flash the flashes start to happen where Voldemort knows what happens and he goes on this killing spree within Malfoy Manor very cool and I uh, you know I loved all those little moments when Voldemort you know has recognizes what's going on what Harry is doing
2: now do you think if we tried to like step outside of you know we're all obviously you know big fans, uh, if we try to like step outside our perspective of these films as an, in, as insiders and try to look at it, somebody who's just seen these movies and they're witnessing those scenes going on. Do you think that Warner brothers counts on the popularity of the series that somebody like, you know, the average movie goer who may not understand those things is going to have somebody within a few feet of them who can explain to them what exactly is going on. Or do you think that through the films they have, Accurately um, conveyed those storylines to the point to where the average Joe could understand precisely what is happening in those moments without the help of somebody
1: else. I well, don't think they can understand.
2: Well, should-
3: if you... I, I can't speak for the other movies, but this 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 film in particular had the dialogue there to support it. Um, not only was there that ringing noise when Harry... you know, how Harry finds a... Yeah, that runs, was very helpful. Which is very helpful, but also that scene when he first comes up from dr- jumping off the dragon and they're changing their clothes, it really is like three minutes of straight dialogue about how Voldemort knows that... They're destroying the horcruxes, that there's one left, that it's this, that, the other thing. So that's all they're talking about. But it's kind of... It's weird because they've snuck that dialogue in. It's in there. Um, See, but that wasn't fair, offense. though. I yeah. didn't think
1: that was fair because Harry and Ron were taking off their shirts and I was too distracted. Oh, I, I so couldn't you, follow the dialogue well, you, at the same you time. You missed
3: it, exactly. So it's like, yeah. I guess the people who wouldn't normally watch the harry potter films wouldn't normally be attracted to harry and ron they'll hear the dialogue meanwhile everybody else is paying attention to the characters why? not listening to the dialogue
4: why a very did, clever way to do it why did harry and ron take their wet clothes off but hermione didn't well duh because we can't see
1: oh, a topless of, girl speaking of which have to take, take everything, everything off
2: everybody remembers uh back when prisoner of Azkaban happened
1: <laughs> yeah there w-
2: there was that one movie poster it. Where, uh, Emma's, um, you're breasts. thinking of Order
3: of the Phoenix. You're thinking uh, of Order of the Phoenix. Was that Order of the Phoenix? Yeah, it was Order of the Phoenix.
2: I thought there was, a, I thought there were like, I thought it happened like every book. Um, uh, but anyways, the, yeah, like, you know, I guess she, was she underage at that time? Was she 18 or was she 19?
1: I don't know. So uh, what's the I, point?
2: Regardless, regardless, the point I'm trying to make is that, uh, at the beginning of this film, like, they're making no bones about it. They're kind of like putting Emma's, you know, Who's a, who's a Watsi's out there?
0: Yeah, well, when she, <laughs> no, no, when she fell in the, uh, you know, in the bank. In the, oh, yes. Down, in the bank, I noticed that. You got that. a clear shot of...
1: See, this is, a, this is where we get 100 emails from women <laughs> saying, this is why there needs to be a girl on the show. On the show.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, although I will say it was very intimate that, that Horcrux destruction scene from part one was very intimate, where she's topless, Harry's topless, and they're embracing. There was a lot CGI, of... CGI. Uh, yeah, it was CGI. But uh, it was I'm very obvious CGI. Just in general, the films are very—I don't know how obvious it was to you, Richard, but not not very much to me. But um, I, I, you know, I, I think that uh, in general, these are more mature films. So let's
1: get into Aberforth now. Um, we see him having a good discussion with Harry. And Ron and Hermione, when you know they they operate into Hogsmeade, and you know nick a time, Aberforth runs runs to the door and is like, "Get in here!" And what didn't sit right with me about this scene is that you know why would they trust Harry? Why would Harry, Ron, and Hermione trust this random guy? They can't see who it is, saying, "Come in here." I mean that that was very risky. <laughs> um, you know they should have they should have had this moment where they at least
3: saw who it was, but then. That wouldn't have made sense, because they don't know who it is. So they're running through Hogsmeade, and the, the guards are there. But they, they come to a gate, actually, and, the, and the, the gate is locked, and they don't seem to remember Alohomora. <laughs> so they're kind of stuck, and somebody says, come here, Potter. You know, it, it just doesn't seem to be, it's not like an imminent threat, so I think he just goes, because somebody somebody recognizes him, obviously, but it's, it's very obviously somebody wants to help them. Like, and they have no, no other
1: choice, too. Yeah, because they, they've I forgotten
3: mean, Alohomora, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> forgotten a lot.
1: Hey, well, what did you think
2: about the interaction between, you know, Harry and Aberdor? Aberdor?
1: Aber. <laughs> um, it, you know, it was good, but apparently they shot as Richard, when he interviewed Kieran Hines on the red carpet in, at the London premiere, he said that there were, they shot a lot more, right, Richard? Yeah,
4: I, I, I was just about to bring this up. I, um, I think I inadvertently revealed to him how much of his character was actually cut from this film. <laughs> he didn't, really yeah, know but it you around. made it—you made it sound bad, though. I mean, there was still plenty of stuff
1: uh, oh, in no, no, it. Yeah, was.
4: What I was getting at was that—was he not disappointed that the whole backstory with Dumbledore and his family were cut? He probably doesn't even know. Like, he no, probably doesn't even know the. He did because he—he—we—he he, he, uh, he did say he had read the books and he knew about the character. Um. But I think he uh, assumed that
1: his entire character was cut as a result and sort of right, panicked yeah, a you, little bit. You almost made him cry. <laughs> I felt really We have HD video. I could see his, his his eyes watering up. <laughs>
4: yeah. But, well, but no, he was yeah, a really great guy as well.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I thought
2: that the, um, just the way, you know, there was kind of like that tension between Aberforth and Harry, where Harry was kind of like, like, you, you know, kind of like the, you, you suck, you don't really, like, you're not you've given up. on the front lines. Yeah, that's what he says. He
3: says, you've given yeah. up.
2: And then he says, had I, had, Hermione says, like, had he given up, would he have, would he be here now or something like that?
3: Yeah, she has the... that extra line, which was very in character, but I was shocked because it was like such an in character line. Yeah. Where she's the, disagreeing with Harry.
0: The interesting thing about that scene was that um, the interview we had with David Yates, he said that J.K. Rowling helped to write the whole Aberforth scene. Um or so she, he, he said
3: she had input. She said he said she was very helpful. helpful. Yeah. Yeah. But in I in terms I of how to do that.
0: It was just it was weird dialogue because I don't think he was he was never really introduced prior to this film, uh except for a brief cameo in, in Order of the Phoenix, right? And it wasn't even Kieran Hines at the time who played him. So it's right. No,
3: I, I actually felt that that was one of this film's strengths was having actors like Kieran Hines and the Great Lady, for instance. You know, characters we'd never met before, um, but they have such screen presence and they really have a character that that you that you uh, appreciate and you cheer for Kieran Hines when he shows up in battle and shoots the Patronas. Well, yeah I you mean, know, against all the one are the
0: one of the complaints that I have about this film and, and le- I like the film overall, I think it's probably the best in the series, is is just the whole, you know, they cut Dumbledore's backstory from this a lot. I mean, they didn't learn a whole lot about him, and, you know, Aberforth talks about Dumbledore's... What?
4: They cut it because they cut the Hallows, and the the backstory was only relevant to the Hallows for his quest to find them in the first place for Grindelwald, so since they cut all the Hallows, what was the point of having Dumbledore's backstory in it as well?
0: Well, it's just there was a couple things that were mentioned. Like when when Aberforth talks about his uh Dumbledore's quest for power, it's like, well, what quest for power? We don't, as a mu- moviegoer, we don't know anything about that. And then when Hermione says, "That's your sister Ariana," well, how would Hermione know that? There's no explanation. Yeah, she read for that, that book. Well, yeah, we I know mean, that, you, but
3: she's seen reading that book in part one, though. I mean, it's not like we need to be spoon-fed everything, right?
1: Well, yes, we do, because I mean, this is what Ben was kind of mentioning earlier. That there does need to be somebody, you know, if if like say my mom. She needs guidance through these films because she she's read the books or she's read a few of them, but you know there's a lot here. There's this is a very intricate plot, and they don't really explain everything sometimes, as as evidenced by this little conversation right now. Um, I just so- want to say for the record that you will be more negative over the film than I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're, we're still not to the end where we're like, overall, it was fantastic. Well, so. The
2: other, the other thing, um, that I wanted to comment on is, you know, the performances of Dan, Rupert, and Emma. I think that overall, I think we've just gotten used to their, uh, particular interpretations of these characters. And so it's like, uh, like when we say, oh, is that, was, was Dan's performance as Harry good? Um, I mean, I think we've just known him as Harry for so long that, you know, Dan does a good Dan being Harry. I don't think...
3: I disagree with that. I mean, I, I don't think he does a bad Dan being Harry, but... Huh. I, I I think there were some moments where Dan exceptionally shined through as Harry. Or that he brought something to the role of Harry that I had always wanted to be there in the books.
2: I, I don't know. I I've just... The, the older I've gotten, the harder time I've had buying these characters, uh, buying these people as... The characters. I mean, it's just—it's been so ingrained in our minds that it's hard to kind of detach from that. But I think that, hands down, the the adult actors—the Alan Rickmans, the uh, Maggie Smiths, the uh, Richard Harris—I mean, Michael Gambins, like they save the films. I think
3: that's almost what—that's almost what Richard said is that the the adults save the film from the kids, which I find originally. originally did you I would say, say that, Richard.
4: So, I would have said that like, originally, but in this film, I don't think. I think the the adults are a very good performance, but I don't think the kids put in a bad performance because it was an action packed film. It wasn't reliant on the dialogue. Um it, it, and the kids generally can do action well, they're younger. Um in previous films I would have I would have I would agree with you or I said that, you know, the the adult cast bring a level of credibility to it and an authenticity that the child actors just they don't have the pedigree to do, they don't have the experience to do, and you can't expect them to either. Um, yeah. But I, in this film, I thought, because of the type of film it was, because it was an action film, I thought the gap in between the experienced cast and the inexperienced cast, the divide was reduced a lot because it wasn't as important. So I was able to enjoy yeah, the film a lot more as a result of that. I wasn't thinking, oh, this isn't believable, or oh, this isn't this is a sucky acting performance i was thinking wow this is just some awesome action scenes
2: yeah i i'll give you that i agree with that as well i think that you know that being said you know with uh with all the other films there've been there've been a few lines or something like some lame scene or something that just didn't work that you know stood out to me in the initial viewings of it and i've seen i've seen this one twice and i haven't really You know, I can't like pinpoint a line right now offhand that Hermione or Ron or Harry said that was just so beyond lame or just didn't work. So
4: there was Mm -hmm. no cringy dancing in this, at least. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, that was nice. That was was awful. Speaking of the adult actors, there's a great scene between McGonagall and Snape in the Great Hall when McGonagall, you know, takes on Snape really after Harry jumps out and um, surprises everybody. Harry's in his
3: cloak. and It was nice to see Harry in his cloak again, I gotta say. Uh, well, it feels like you never see him in it anymore. God, there's, you remember this, though, Andrew. There was that short scene on the stairway where he puts it on, someone hands him the cape, and that was cut in the final film. Oh. Um, right? They go straight well, from the yeah. room of requirement where everybody's happy to see Harry, and, you know, Ginny comes in and is like, Snape calls us to the school. And then next second they're there, and Harry's all, you know, change of wardrobe. But I don't know why. Well, they- I think it's more of a surprise
1: that way. I it's guess, more of a yeah. surprise to the audience that oh my god he's there uh, He's in listening his to Snape yeah yeah but uh, and Snape makes his escape was everybody satisfied with that that was obviously a change in no. the book no you weren't
2: I I I just I just didn't like the way that you know I feel like I'm being so negative here <laughs> I I I like you know it was a great moment when Harry w- first walked in to you know the the common room and everybody was all like woo and all that you know yeah. um but. Like the way, I mean, I guess you know they only have so much time, and this was the shortest film yet, correct? This was the shortest one of them all. Yeah, it was two hours. Yeah, and I, I, you know, they don't have a lot of time to like have some big epic battle between McGonagall or Snape or whatever. But I don't think that it was just all it just all kind of happened really quick. Like, and Snape was like, Woo It was quick. Like, why couldn't Snape whoop McGonagall's ass? Well, why because he just he's hand not really a bad guy, ass?
3: though. He's really not really a bad and, guy, though. And the oh, order, that's the- right? Order of the Order of the phoenix
1: came in behind McGonagall, too.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: So they were very, you know, Snape was outnumbered. And, I think, you know, that's what happened in the book. I mean, he does... Yeah, uh, you he, know, does he does run. Escape, but but
3: also it is it is that his conviction is not there. I think Neville in the film has a line that says, oh, you know, we don't really worry about Snape. We don't even see him. It's the caros you have to worry about. So, you know, you get this impression that Snape is... is, is you know, again, not really a bad guy. You know, he's letting all this stuff happen. That makes him a bad guy, but his allegiances are really elsewhere.
1: McGonagall arming the school. This is a very cool montage where we see all the teachers really. But defend the school. Yeah. What is Do you, you do your duty to the school? Yeah. Um I, that was when i went on the set visit that's actually the shot they were filming it was a night shoot and uh, uh maggie smith was there julie walters um work davis when i was on the set visit no i'm not i'm not <laughs> I'm just, you always have to make it a, a um <laughs> when
2: i was behind the. the
1: it was there. such an awesome scene guys you really missed out
2: it was now, actually more difficult having been there <laughs> than
1: it was not
2: being there <laughs>
1: um mcgonagall yeah so they you know they were shooting that basically all night and um you know it's such a cool scene especially in the trailer when you see her make the statues come to life but my issue with it and i brought this up in my set report and maybe on the leaky con show i just did not like when mcgonagall says oh i always
3: wanted to do that spell and julie walters is there like looking like I, i don't know what she's looking like but that face is not was not canon that Julie, Julie Walters oh, is just—oh no, it like, was.
1: She's a concerned mother. <laughs> but, but that face <laughs> is
2: not
0: canon.
3: <laughs> this is—I couldn't understand what was going on with Molly Weasley in that moment. I just—I couldn't get it.
0: Yeah, it's just, it just—it seemed all a little bit out of place. I don't know. What? Maybe what? it had been McGonagall, or no? What? What? You, what you were just saying? Yeah, that—that that when she made that comment, that I've always wanted to do that spell. It just—it seemed like there was a there were a couple times in the film there was a bit of forced humor. Yeah
2: well you know I think that uh that's kind of what these films it's kind of part of these films thing like having like that little bit of awkward yeah kind of because you got keep it going I, i've too. gotten i've gotten mixed uh mixed opinions on that you know I've had some like people who generally are overly critical who would you know have told me that they liked that part you know that they thought it was kind of it was kind of cool and i actually you know the first time I saw it i was like that sucked and now the second time i saw it i was like hey that was actually yeah that was kind of that kind of fit that wasn't bad
1: it's a cool scene i mean you know it's such an epic scene in the book too when she's bringing the statues to life and uh, M- maggie smith did a great job with it and yeah they do like to add comic relief and frankly you need it in this film i mean there's so much action you, you gotta have people a chuckle getting somewhere
2: just people blowing up left and right like people bridges, evaporating
1: like b- yeah. boom yeah boom. boom that was <laughs> boom. another part of that scene boom. yeah Like boom, and then McGonagall goes boom. It's it's good. It was good. I
4: asked um, I asked Julie Walters at the at the premiere um, what she if she enjoyed doing all the you know the acting scenes. She said that she uh, she got she got wand arm from doing it, which I think was her, her basically defined the term from bruising her arm so much. (laughs) Wand arm. The great lady.
1: It's a crucial scene towards the end of the um, film when Harry's really trying to convince the great lady, hey, tell tell me where this horcrux is. And she eventually does. But did you guys like that scene? It was kind of, it was interesting because you see the battle really going on in the background still and Harry realizes, you see the pressure as Harry sees it as well at the same time.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I love this scene. In fact, I would go so far as to call it my favorite or second favorite scene in the film.
1: It was a banging
3: so the, scene. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: then, <laughs> so then Harry does go into the room of requirement, and this was the a part where Draco... And-
2: I think Jamie Whalett stole the show at this part.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, that effect, right, where his wand is shooting out the fire and he can't stop it, that was really well done.
2: Jamie Whalett's not in the movies anymore. <laughs>
3: oh, I thought you were, you were talking about crab. I thought you were talking about Goyle. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was cool when he can't stop the fire. No, crap. not stop the fire. <laughs> stop the fire.
1: Um
2: yeah. Oh, but then Draco, like, he's like, hey, Ron's all like, Harry, if we die because of this, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> or whatever, because they go back to save Draco.
3: Yeah, which is a nice moment and very true to Harry's character. Well, I liked uh, when he's climbing the thing and, and that the pixies come out. Or yes. the, uh, the pixies, like well, that was pixies. really yeah, a little nod back to the second film, but also it's expanding Harry's world. You know, it's like that. It's just something that I thought was very cool. Very, you we need well done. some of that magic. I
2: want to see a Chamber of Secrets pixie side by side. Dh part. <laughs>
3: well, speaking, you know, of- actually, I thought they were pretty
0: similar. Yeah, I did, I did too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Probably there the same were model, there was but- a lot of throwback stuff in that room. You know, watching the film a couple of times, you get to kind of mm-hmm. look around and and see what was there. I saw like one of the winged boars was in there. One of uh, yeah. one of the pieces from the chess set and Sorcerer's Stone was in there.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. And I mean, really, and quite literally, they probably just
3: went into their props <laughs> yeah. department and pulled yeah, out everything yeah. they could. They could have <laughs> shot it in their props department and just added even, the walls of the room requirement behind it.
0: Yeah, dead Aragog uh, was in there. Um,
3: not really. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> no. But, Snape's um, but
1: death. It, yeah, Snape's death. That was death. another crucial scene. Uh, d- did it live up to everybody's anticipation?
2: No. Why? Kinda. I, mean, oh, I
1: loved that scene. <laughs>
2: I, I was kind of disappointed by the, you know, when he kind of like dies and like, then like he like grabs a tear at the last second, and, you know, hands it to Harry or whatever.
1: Harry I, takes the tear. Yeah, he
2: takes the tear. I, he, would I, I, says, it, he
1: says, take it, take it, take this. Why did you like it, Richard? Why do you love it? Why did I love
4: it? <laughs> um, I always, I always liked how, how Rickman played Snape in the films and I, I always liked Snape as a character because he was the most interesting. And as a result, you kind of, you're always ruling him on to be good. You always wanted him to be good. And in the end, you found out he really was. And that was the moment in, in, in the film, who, that if you didn't know, you were just like,
1: ah, ah, he's not bad after all. That I, I just made me smile. It, it was, it was emotional. I mean, because you see, well, Snape's dying I mean it's huge and then you see you see Nagini attacking him it's just it's it just so much well. and, yeah and just like in this film once the emotion starts it does not stop the 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 you know it's just uh, you know my, my you know the, we talked about this the theater just not, it's like non-stop sobbing for a straight hour <ladder>. yeah, <laughs> it was so
3: good that I saw Crazy. it today because the theater was just silent so quiet almost too quiet and <laughs> it was really enjoyable did you cry today uh no. But but there were moments the hesitation when hesitation like, suggests otherwise. There was mo- there were moments when I almost did. Yeah. There were moments when I almost did. And I think I think those moments are always going to be the same for me. Um you know, Resurrection Stone where his parents are like, Hey, we're in here or you know, any any of that. Any of that really is just it's always going to hit me in the same place. I know it will.
1: The Prince's Tale was one of my favorites, probably my favorite, because you really see Alan Rickman finally we Finding. finally get yeah. what Snape has been up to all these years. I mean, we've always seen such a, a very stoic Snape, always, you know, an intriguing character, and finally all this is revealed in a period of, like, five to seven minutes, and it's just it's just a lot of heartbreak and emotion. Yeah. What I really loved about that
4: scene was that we finally get to see how good an actor Alan Rickman really can be, and really is, because, you know, from, from films one to, one to seven, he's playing this... Hard-faced guy, and you can't—you know—his character is no Indeed. way that you can never read his expression, and he plays that really well. He's very indistinguished in that in that regard. Whereas in this scene, we finally get to see how good Alan Rickman really can be. Well, could yeah, you could you that see
3: that, or was his de-aging process getting in the way? Because I've heard that comment too—that that that people didn't like. Th- I didn't. I I noticed that he looked younger, and
4: and I thought, yep. Fine, I don't have a problem with this. I I, I bought no. it.
2: Eric, are you and Alan Rickman like doing some like therapy together? Because I <laughs> swear to God, every time I see you, I think you look younger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we you enrolled. It, we
3: enrolled in a program. No, I, I I just the only reason I bring that up is because I heard it, but watching it again today, I thought it was. I didn't. I didn't see any flaws with it. In fact, I'm glad yeah, I th- I, I that they de-aged him. Um, because when Andrew and I saw it and the, the effects weren't complete, I thought he still looked too old to be playing Snape from 12, 13 years ago. Um, or seven, gosh, 17 years ago. So, you know, I, I, I thought the aging was great. His, his face is thin. He looks like young, younger Snape. I thought he, but, but he's still his acting. When he, you know, picks up Lily and is, or, or even before he picks Lily up and he just enters the room and falls against the doorframe, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Ben. Yeah, and this was really the you know, this was really the part where you know, I feel like Snape is, you know, one of you know, the most perhaps the most misunderstood character in the series and you know, throughout seven films, seven books, um Snape is built up to constantly, you know, be this guy who, you know, it doesn't really come across that good and then this is kind of, you know, this is definitely the scene where we see that it's redemption, redemption of snape yeah. and what what this what this reminded me of have any of you guys ever seen the movie the green mile yeah yeah where uh you know john coffee like the he's, he's built up as this villain throughout like kind of throughout the film but there's like this mysterious softer side to him or whatever and then he like he's on he's this inmate on death row or whatever but he like grabs tom hank's hand in this scene that it's like a flashback scene like this and you know, it just really tells the real story of the character, and I, I thought I thought that was uh, yeah. that that was beautifully done.
0: I was for sure. Uh, the only thing I would say about this scene, and and I liked it a lot, is um, I'm not going to say anything about relating it to the books, but I, I will say, as far you, I, I do believe you would have had to have seen a lot of the other films in order to have a full understanding of what's going on right here. because there was a lot
3: of that. There was a lot of that stuff in the middle, uh, like in between memories, almost like quotes from Harry and Slughorn and Snape and, you know, Dumbledore from previous films. Is that what you're talking about? Because yep. all that stuff was meshed into. It's kind of like how they filled the empty space in between memories was to do these these quotes from previous films, sound clips. The Forbidden Forest, the
1: emotion continues. The sobbing in the theater continues. Uh, we see Harry, the Resurrection Stone kind of comes to life. You know, he, Harry's ready to die. He sees Sirius, James, Lily. That, that scene,
2: that scene was absolutely brilliant, though. Like that was like the most touching scene in in all of the films, in my opinion. Just the way that you know i mean typically like i'm kind of a guy who's like gets kind of cheesed out when i watch films and stuff but like Mm -hmm. when when you know when they're like we've been right here harry and like they point to his heart or whatever like that was like really powerful and emotional i really like that
3: (laughs) you know what what felt weird to me was james potter because we've just had this eight minute long or however long it is uh, prince's tale scene about how snape loved his mom you know his patronus is the same all that stuff and you know Harry figures out he has to die goes down to the forbidden forest and there's this guy standing with his mom with Sirius with Remus with you know there's this guy who was who is who is frankly upstage this whole time Snape just when when Snape is in uh Godric's Hollow he just sees dead James on the stairs walks right past him doesn't doesn't cry doesn't hold him just walks right past him to Lily has this moment these tears streaming down his face when he finds Lily and here's this James Potter you know he's never had a line in the Harry Potter series at least in the in the in the films especially not in the books obviously there's that whole issue you know who was my dad but in the movies well, it just is glossed over it's it just and, doesn't exist and
0: what does he say to him he's the the one line he has is like you're almost there son like like it's a sporting event or something like that it's
3: encouragement it's fatherly yeah, encouragement yeah you're almost
0: there to die full speed ahead
3: yeah in king's cross Dumbledore is very very vague when Harry says Uh, isn't it interesting that my, that my mom and Snape's Patronus are the same? He says, no, I don't think, I don't find it peculiar at all. And he winks at him. It makes it seem like Harry is Snape's son. Like, that's what it seems like. It, It just, James Potter has had no presence in, in the films, which is, which I found to be a little awkward.
1: Well, you just mentioned King's Ra- Cross, let's talk about it. It was my, again, I, I just said Prince's Tale was one of my favorite scenes, but King's Cross, I just loved Dumbledore. I think Michael Gambon really nailed it. And he even said in the press conference, in the UK press conference, that he he himself was feeling emotional. When he starts to address Harry, he starts with Harry. You know, he says Harry, and then he he admitted at the press conference that he teared up a little bit. It was just such a beautiful scene. I could watch
3: that forever. Well, he did really good in Princess Tale too. Let's not forget. There's a lot of him in Princess yeah. Tale as yeah. well. I thought in general, Richard, uh, Michael Whoa. Gammon you, yeah, Michael Gambon did an amazing job in this film.
4: They filmed a lot of the Princess Tale scenes. Well, you know the scenes with Snape and um, and Dumbledore. They were actually filmed during when they filmed Half Blood Prince. So, uh, oh, why, why, Do why? You know? Did they and say that?
3: Do you have confirmation on that? Where did you hear that?
4: I, I, I only know this because when I spoke to Cam at the premiere, he said he only ever filmed one scene for this film, which was that. The King's Cross. Oh, bit.
1: I see. That's odd. And so they obviously knew that it was
4: going to be used later on.
1: A scene everybody was looking forward to, Molly versus Bellatrix. <laughs> Give it up for Molly Weasley. All right. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> It was, oh, but hold
2: on a second. We got to go back to King's Cross. Cause what? Go ahead. Like Voldemort, the Valdi fetus beneath the table. <laughs> From goblet of fire. Looked like an uncooked chicken wing <laughs> basted in like hot sauce. <laughs> I just had to point that out.
1: But there. that's what was so great about it. Cause the scene was so beautiful and clean. And you know, Harry says it's, it's King's Cross, but it's clean. And then there's that ugly thing underneath the bench. It's, and Ben got Harry looking at it.
4: Yeah, like, you know, mm, you know, in mm, the I books, want
3: KFC. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? in the books, Dumbledore says that thing is beyond our help, but Harry doesn't quite believe him. Harry wants to try and help it anyway, and in the movie, you know, there's that line: "It's beyond our help," but it, it is just kind of this thing left. Although there is that line that says, "It's you know, it's the part of Voldemort that was sent here to die." So I guess that's fine, but it was just, it was really creepy to see that thing under the bench.
2: What if or... Dumbledore would have picked it up and, like, picked up the Baldy Fierce <laughs> and punt, <laughs> punted it like a football? That would have added some comic relief.
1: Or they played catch with it or something, and, like, their hands were all bloody. <laughs> oh, yeah. gosh.
2: And he's like, I guess I'm going back now. <laughs> Peace out. Peace out, Dumbledore.
1: Mm, so Molly versus bellatrix you know, it wasn't the yelling that you kind of expected after reading the books, because it's in all caps, but it was a very firm, NOT MY DAUGHTER, YOU
3: BITCH. And it's almost like the spell that she casts almost sucks the life out of Bella. It's not like your standard death curse, where you're you're not supposed to look any different other than the fact that you are not alive. If you're talking about canon books, death curse. You know, instead, she actually, you see, like, her skeleton popping through almost. She, like, breathes in deeply, like, <gasps> and then there's a separate spell that breaks her into a million pieces.
0: Now, now, do you think that that was done? I know we talked about this on, this, on the live show, but... For for ratings purposes, uh, you know, just to kind of not make it as gory or as bloody as, as maybe it would have been.
4: I think they just wanted to give the audience a chance to cheer.
3: Yeah, I think that's it too. I, you know, in terms of putting it on film, we've seen these villains for so long, four films for Bellatrix and Voldemort, that it's really satisfying, in fact more satisfying, to give them a death scene or a chance to act out their their character's death.
2: Yeah, and this, this, this isn't Saw.
0: You know, you can't <laughs> be like having like well, even with snake like, though, bald, like the limbs twisted Snape off. Snape was stuff. Well, was on screen, but kind of off screen at the same time. You you saw through the the boathouse window or whatever that was. You know, him b- being attacked by uh, Nagini. You didn't see sound, it from the other man, side.
3: Every every time the snake hit the, but it was also that was more artsy then, too because you have to. It's almost sensory because you have to hear it. Instead of, I mean, you can feel it without seeing it. It's it's very artsy. Harry
1: versus Voldemort was
3: another major battle, uh, <laughs> we obviously. We talked about this on the live show at LeakyCon. How, okay, so let's not talk about it. No, no, no. I'm, oh. That's not what I'm saying. We talked about how Voldemort has Harry by the threads of his robes. Um, yeah, but that's not Harry versus Voldemort. Well, I guess it is. I mean, it was, it was silly
1: because Voldemort would have just killed him. If, if you know, well, what Eric's I, referring to is when Harry Voldemort has Harry tied up, Voldemort just would have killed him right there. That, that didn't sit right with me.
3: They're at the top of the, uh, it's before they jump off the tower. But at the LeakyCon, we asked, well, what stops him from killing Harry? And, and some of the audience said, well, that was when uh, the snake died. And it distracted Voldemort. And obviously, he let go. But watching it again today, I was looking at that, and no, it's not actually. They just cut out, and and Harry is no longer restrained by Voldemort. So that is still sort of a little plot hole in the film. the fi-
1: the, the final battle. Let's just go right to that. When you know the the two are fighting, and you don't. Not many words are said. Really, uh, it's just very visual. And Voldemort ends up disintegrating. Personally, I would have preferred Voldemort to have you know just see his body there. I think that would have been. But better, yeah. yeah. Neville kicks it or something. That would have been
0: cool. <laughs> yeah. What about that scene with Neville, though? Really quick. I mean, you know, he's kind of waking up with. I, I don't know what music was playing. It was like it was almost like I chariots of fire or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> he's, 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 <laughs> he's about to
3: his big moment,
0: or so. I thought that was really cheesy.
3: Well, if you're going to talk about Could've that seizing it. destiny, then talk about his speech that he gives. I mean, that whole scene was great. Ray Fiennes is amazing. In this film. Richard, yes. I mean, I, I just... What do you think? What did you think of Voldemort? Because in the books, Richard, I had a problem in the book where I, I didn't think that Voldemort was very compelling. I thought he made a lot of mistakes. Da, 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 da. I, you know, I felt completely differently about Ray Fiennes playing him in the film, because just the range of emotion that whenever the Horcrux is destroyed early in the film and he just goes, uh, you know, where he's like, ah, uh, he's becoming less, you know, alive I just thought it was very, very, very well acted. Would you agree?
2: Well, I think Voldemort has asthma or something <laughs> because like <laughs> everything was like everything's like a wheeze, It's like, <sighs> or whatever. And I, 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 I think he's good. I think it's good, but I, I feel like he needs to be like more of a badass than he is. was. Like he doesn't strike me as much of a badass. He's like way too like. <laughs> I thought he was,
4: particularly when he was slapping Lucius around the face. Oh yeah. Uh, just in the but bo- he bo- slaps scene. him
3: because he likes him. If he didn't like somebody he'd he'd crucio them. I don't think he likes him at
4: all. I think he I think he hates him. I think he despises him. Well I he has that line, he, he, how
3: do you live with yourself, right?
4: <laughs> yeah. I think he he keeps Lucius around because he, he can't be bothered killing him. Um he, he means literally nothing to him. He's a good toy. And finally the epilogue. The characters didn't look any older than they than they did. Uh, yeah, five it minutes like ago.
2: They, it was kind of cheesy, but I mean, like I've said a lot of bad things about this film. Not bad things, but very critical things. And I just want to say that when I walked out of the film, I w- did not have a sour or like negative taste in my mouth. I felt really good about the way it ended and everything. I think that there were so many plot lines, so many intricacies, so many things that they were trying to fit in that it was almost like they were trying to do too much because they had such a monumental task and I, I think they did what they could, but I, I mean, I, I just think when you're comparing this to the way it was told in the books, you're just not going to be able to communicate and articulate all of the same things unless each movie was five hours long, which wouldn't work.
1: And here's the other thing worth noting. You know, we have to be critical on the show. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a show. We can't just sit here and be like, oh, that was great. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was great. We have to be critical and, you know, pick things apart.
0: I thought... Um, oh, but go ahead, Michael. No, no. I mean, I thought the epilogue, it was good. I mean, what, what more... Uh, w- I think pretty much everyone on this show is critical of the written epilogue in, in the book. So, I mean, it's always weird to have that transition to seeing something, you know, with any movie where they're like 20 years later or, or you know, however it is. But, you know, what, what about the end of the actual film though? What did you guys think of that when they, when Harry snaps the Elder Wand? He doesn't even repair his own wand. He throws it off the, uh, you know, the bridge there, and they end by all three of them just kind of standing there holding hands together. I imagine it was,
4: Draco was slightly annoyed that he was never getting his wand back. <laughs> <laughs> it was bittersweet. You I would, mean, you I would think, think in the end, it. Go well, ahead. I was going to say, do you think in the epilogue when Harry sees Draco and Draco sees Harry and they sort of look at each other and nod? You think Draco would be going, oh, you know, wand please? It's been 19 years. <laughs> you you, still you got think my you could give me it back <laughs> now?
1: I think from a, a filmmaking standpoint, they had to do this closing scene where you just see just the trio together with Hogwarts. I mean, I don't know how, how else you could have done it. It had to be a very iconic shot.
3: Plus, it, it struck me as being the end of one adventure, but here's another adventure. You know, it's like the trio, we've spent so much time with them. They're looking off into the abyss of like the unwritten story of what what comes next. It, it just felt very, very... like. Third and fourth and fifth uh, dimensiony. Did, to me. did they
0: use the same piece of the score um, at the end of the film that they used at the end of *Sorcerer's Stone*?
1: Yes. I think so. Leaving Hogwarts, yeah. The that very was used, very which end of it. A lot of people were happy to see. All right, so there's obviously so much more to talk about still, uh, and we'll do it on the next episode. But speaking of the next episode, um, we are going to be switching the frequency of the show again. Um we are going to be going to a monthly format for muggle cast. <sighs> we're gonna have two shows this month. our next episode will be August 21st then September 18th will be the next episode and what we're doing is going into a regular monthly schedule. you'll be able to count on the show getting out on a certain day because this is also helping us get into a steady rhythm with all the podcasts that, we, a variety of us do. Um, uh, Twilight fans, of course, there's imprint for Hunger Games fans. We just started a new podcast on Hypeable called Hypeable's Hunger Games chat, which is good. If you're a Hunger Games fan, you should check that out. And there's also going to be a new general entertainment podcast coming at the end of this month for Hypeable. Um, uh, but in regards to Mugglecast, you know, with, with news slowing down, we're always going to be doing Mugglecast. We're not ending it in any way, shape, or form. But in terms of looking out for the long term, uh we are going to be switching to monthly and the good news is there are other podcasts to listen to that we'll be producing and those will be released at different times in the month. So the goal is there will be a new podcast from us every week. It's just not directly Mugglecast.
0: Well, uh you know, on, on that note though, uh since we're not doing another show, what'd you say till August twenty first? Mm-hmm. I I just want to say uh, you know, congratulations on, on six years of podcasting.
1: Oh yes, because this month was
3: August six years, right? yeah, six days oh. is our six years.
0: We're six
1: years, really? It's been a long time. I'm getting really time. emotional. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, thanks everyone for listening. Of course, again, there's going to be so much more to talk about with part two. We're far from done, and we'll get your feedback into the show. As well uh, But before we wrap up Just a reminder Mugglecast.com Has all the information You need about the show That we do um, You can click on Contact at the top send in feedback about Deathly Hallows Part 2 Pottermore Etc uh, And then on the right side Of Mugglecast.com You can find links To our iTunes Twitter Facebook Fan Tumblr RSS feed And oh So much more I am Andrew Sims I'm Benjamin Shane
3: I am Eric James Skull I'm Micah Tannenbaum.
0: (laughs) I'm
1: Richard Reed. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time for episode 237. Bye-bye.
3: Peace. (laughs) Peace.